On this episode of Tomorrow Stories, digital rights expert Professor Andy Fibben. He shares his thoughts on how the metaverse is affecting our children and young people and how we can help them navigate the online world. I am massively sympathetic, particularly towards parents growing up in this environment, because we didn't have anything like this. It was good school to find. You know, <laughs> when, I, when I left school 30 years ago, um, you know, we weren't talking about digital spaces or reporting or, or mechanisms for mitigating risk online. I would argue that these days, education isn't much better. Um, uh, um, drawing massively on, on the UK experiences, education around these digital issues is generally very prohibitive and basically telling kids don't do that it's illegal and stop doing that it's illegal and if you do this you're going to break the law rather than going this is something that is potentially risky these are the things you might do to mitigate that risk and then you get no training for teachers mm-hmm. um, and then you get governments in four or five year political cycles going oh well you know we could we could look at this but it's quite a long-term thing but if instead we just say, say that the platforms are all evil they don't care that's easier isn't it before we start here's a little shout out to my production partner this podcast is produced by the music and brand strategists at raven and finch together we've created this format and if you're looking for someone to advise you on your brand sound check them out all infos about Raven and Finch can be found in the show notes. Add it up. Hello, hello, and welcome to this episode of Tomorrow Stories. My name is Lizzie Prem, and you are listening to the Future Podcast. On this podcast, I talk to some of the most interesting future thinkers, and my today's guest is no exception. It's Professor Andy Fibben, he's a digital rights expert, and Andy actually wasn't someone that I knew through my network. It's someone I researched online because I was looking for someone who I can talk to about children and the metaverse. This topic actually came to me through my Instagram community because I asked, what would you like to hear uh, about on my podcast? And I've had a lot of votes for this topic, and I thought it's also interesting for myself because I've got an 11-year-old and I really want to talk to someone who has an expert view on what's really going on. And uh, yeah, I see myself firsthand how children are already engaging with the metaverse. They're already in the metaverse. Let's be frank, it's already here. They are talking to their friends on uh, the gaming console. They are buying skins uh, on Fortnite. They are playing games on Roblox and probably see Gucci land there. And they're exposed to owning digital assets and they don't care if they don't exist in real life. So Andy is a sought-after expert for a wide range of topics we have to look at as we're venturing out into the metaverse more and more. They range from cyber mobbing to revenge porn, online grooming and sexual exploitation of children. Basically, it's problems we already had in Web 2, which are now 
being pushed into Web3. So this episode is for you if you are worried as a parent what this new world will bring and if you're looking for some tips from an expert as to how you should act, how much you should look after your child and what signs you can look for and what to do if something really goes wrong. Andy will also share his take on what he thinks the future of technology will be like for our children these days. These are the alpha generation children. They're growing up with digital products and they are very used to these worlds. So there's a whole lot of different issues that will come up that we as adults can't even deal with because we don't understand. And I think this is my biggest takeaway from this conversation with Andy. Even if you think you're super prepared of what's coming along and even if you think that you can protect your child, there is so much that is only just happening now and only just being created that as a 45-year-old, you don't even understand the possibilities of scams and, and mobbing and all sorts of things that can be going on. So keep an open mind. But I don't want to take away too much from this conversation. Andy uh, has told me that he's also happy to be contacted on email to answer questions raised in this podcast. So listen to what he's got to say. And if you have any questions, just come to us and let us know. And yeah, without further ado, here is Professor Andy Fibin on children and the future of the metaverse. Welcome. Hello. 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 Uh, we have a professor here today with us to uh, talk about all things metaverse and all things metaverse and children, which so many of us, like myself, as a parent to an 11-year-old, are concerned about. And uh, yeah, let's let's hear it from uh, someone who, who knows a lot about this subject. And let's just dive straight in. Is the metaverse dangerous for our children? Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to immediately start by, by thinking we're probably not going to talk quite as much about the metaverse as we think, because I think all of the concerns we have now are things that we were concerned about pretty much every single digital innovation that comes along. Mm -hmm. uh, in the past, I've been doing this for around 20 years now. Uh, very little's changed um, in terms of government policy and education policy and similar. Uh, and what happens is a, a piece of technology goes into the public domain. People like me get phone calls from journalists going, "Is this dangerous?" Um, and I usually say the same sorts of things. You know, you know, the metaverse introduces a different way of interacting, but the principles are still the same. These are people meeting other people in virtual spaces, um, and obviously that does bring challenges and and potential risks in terms of the willingness of some people to be abusive online compared to whether they do it uh, face to face the the risks of contact by strangers the risks of um uh, uh unwanted contact the the risks of being placed into um difficult awkward potentially harmful situations and similar but i can remember doing a similar interview about club penguin about the very same things about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, what you know, was Club we, Penguin? Club Penguin was an avatar-based um, sort of online virtual world where children created penguins and then they went to interact with other penguins. Uh, and in the UK, uh, Channel 4, was it Club Penguin or Habit Hotel? There were a number of similar ones at the same time. They're all avatar-based virtual environment. Channel 4, which is a uh, TV channel in the UK, did a... 
investigative piece where a reporter went into these spaces and went, hey, everyone, I'm a I'm a 14 year old girl. And um, uh, there was lots of sexual discourse mm-hmm. thrown at her. And everyone went, it's terrible. These platforms are, are full of paedophiles. And then you kind of like speak to young people about it go, no, that'll be other children doing that sort of thing. You know? mm-hmm. um, cl- clearly, people with a sexual interest in children go to places where there are children. However, the assumption that any sexual discourse in these environments has to be from adults mm-hmm. is, you know, if, if anyone has spent 10 minutes in a, a playground of a, a school, you hear some fairly rich dialogue going on there and some, oh, some, some fairly interesting language. And um, and yeah, I think I think the immediate assumption that it's going to be the worst thing that happens is is, a, is an interesting one. And and clearly, if we look at media narrative on these things, you can you can very much jump to those conclusions. You know, the BBC did a piece a while ago on a reporter went into VR chat, went, hey, everyone, I'm a 14 year old girl. And they got sexually suggestive remarks. They got proposition. They, um, but what was interesting in that um, article was um, at no point did they go. Before I went into this environment, I checked out the safety mechanisms. I looked at how I report people. I looked at how I block and mute people. It was just like mm-hmm. I turned up in this environment and some people said some bad things to me. What the hell is the platform going to do about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is that? Which is the um, the pretty much the standard response. There was a piece on BBC News that a friend sent to me before, just before we started talking. Actually, um, platforms need to do more to prevent harm to women. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mm-hmm. completely agree with that. But um, platforms can't do it on their own. I think that's you know I, I, mm-hmm. I see too many politicians these days that that, that talk about algorithms. They go, oh, oh, it's the algorithms. The algorithms could stop this. Now, I'm kind of unusual as an academic in this area. Yeah. But I come from a technical background. Most of the academics in this area are uh, sociological, uh, cyber psychology, those sorts of things. So, you know, I, I sort of grew up. I, I, my first job was in an AI research lab and things. So when people start saying things, oh, oh, AI could solve this. Have you seen AI? It's amazing. So, well, AI is very good at certain things. However, going into massive unpredictable environments and policing them mm-hmm. it's very difficult thing for ai to do mm-hmm. so so yes platforms do have a very strong responsibility if we were having this conversation 10 years ago i'd be saying yeah platforms are terrible they don't care now i'm kind of going well they're better than they were and they're doing some things i have to throw in a little story here yeah, yeah, a personal story yeah. <laughs> because um during the pandemic my son was begging for a game that everyone's mm-hmm. playing i'm not going to say the name a very well-known one which i was against for the longest time so he was the very last <laughs> child to be allowed to download it and i downloaded it with him because he was home in lo- quarantine and um, to our big surprise, he has a PS5, so mm-hmm. the thing talks. <laughs> you don't, we didn't we didn't change any settings, nothing. It was as it's set up. We downloaded the thing. I was there with him, and he started advancing into this game. And all of a sudden, we heard voices coming out of this mm. controller. And we, we, I didn't know this. He didn't know this. He had only had this PS5 for a month or so. And in no other game, the preset was that you are online yeah, with other yeah. players. And I didn't realize we clicked on, I don't know what we, we, we did it together, but we clicked on a group game or whatever it was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then sure enough, a male voice 
definitely above 40, started talking, saying, hi, guys, (laughs) what did you get your mum for Mother's Day? I was, I fell (laughs) off the bed sitting next to him. And this guy started, you know, like in very like, why are you not talking back to me? Why are you not answering my yeah. questions? And you could hear some other kids speaking Spanish. And, and I was so shocked. And my son was so shocked too, that we both just like turned it off. And he himself, he deleted this game. Mm-hmm. And I was so happy that this solved itself. But um, now no, I mean, playing I mean, it, I have to say we've changed the settings and, and, and you kind of really feel uh, somehow there's so much social pressure on these kids to, to be there, you know, yeah, because yeah. now he, he talks to his friends. I always make sure that when he talks into the controller, he tells me who he's talking to. Yeah. So I do have to ask the questions in, in, in question in this uh, instance, the platform did yeah, nothing. They were, they were, they like, were this is in the download GPS. version. Yeah, and yeah. and I just want to say, so who's to be held accountable? Is it me as a parent? Is it is it generally the the government that needs to put in laws that this doesn't happen? I mean, yeah, of course. In this instance, I, I, I was there out, next to him, but I, I'd known I many parents that are not. The, there. Um, I always come out with a horribly liberal view of well, we've all got a responsibility, mm-hmm. don't we? Yeah. Um, you know, you know. I, I think that the fact that you were sat there with your son and he downloaded it with you, and you sat with him when you were originally playing it. Is all really good parenting, um, mm. you know. It, you. It's a bit like when you when you <laughs> right. look at the metaverse stuff. It's kind of like, well, I've got my I've got my son a, a VR headset. I've downloaded in the software. Now I'm going out while he plays. You know, that's mm. kind of like, well, mm. well, you wouldn't do that, would you? Um, now, obviously, the platforms do have responsibilities. They have responsibilities to provide tools. We have this um, piece of legislation that's currently going through Parliament in the UK, the Online Safety Bill, which is talking a great deal about duty of care for platforms. And um, absolutely, you know, you shouldn't be sticking uh, online share to everyone mode as default. You should be uh, allowing people to make that choice. Um, What I find more concerning is, uh, as within this BBC article, there was an implication that this person had gone into VR chat and they were exposed to sexual discourse. And in some way, the platform should have identified that and prevented that in real time, Mm -hmm. which is you know regardless of all the great things ai can do it's very very bad at um complex systems so you will have ai specialists going well it's all right we can pretty much identify racist discourse sexual discourse Mm -hmm. okay you just said pretty much what about all the edge cases well sometimes it might throw up a false positive yeah, well, that's a problem for platforms, isn't it? You know, if, if you look at what's happening on platforms like Facebook at the moment, um, they will sometimes go, are you sure you want to post this? This looks a little bit like abuse. You kind of go, it's not abuse, I'm just chatting to my friends. Um, so if you're expecting the algorithms to do everything or you're expecting the platforms to do everything, you will increasingly have a more restrictive interactive experience because while it will identify problematic behaviour, it will sometimes accuse others of, unproblematic behavior and now i live in the southwest of the uk mm-hmm. there is a town in the southwest of the uk called plymouth plymouth has a seafront which um is locally referred to as plymouth ho mm-hmm. if i type plymouth ho into facebook it accuses me of being abusive to somebody and i've actually said to people in facebook i know you need to tell your engineers that Plymouth Ho is a location, not a person. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this is the problem when we all sit back and go, the platforms need to stop this. Now, mm-hmm. 
platforms have hidden behind Section 230 um, for too long and basically said it's not our responsibility what people do on our platform, mm-hmm. which which isn't acceptable. Yeah, yeah. So do you think you now is the time... Go, mm-hmm. Sorry. Uh, you, you get to a, a point where you go, well, what more can the platforms do? You know, Boris Johnson uh, last year when we had the Euro Championships in the UK um, and there was a lot of racist abuse on Twitter. Boris Johnson comes out and said, well, Twitter could stop this racism if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really? Can it? Because, yes, identifying racist keywords, identifying racist slogans, building up a big corpus of, of racist statements, yes. But if someone is being abusive and not using what we might refer to as racist statements, mm-hmm. how can the algorithm identify that if you get into a situation where you have a, a large subjective interpretation of is that racist or not, then we're expecting algorithms to do that. Yeah. Far better is if we've got a community around Twitter where as soon as people see posts like that, they immediately report them and those accounts get investigated and taken down. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the platform is doing something. It's providing routes for reporting. It's providing a response to that reporting as well, because what we need to show is that if you report something that's done about it, it's no good reporting something and then nothing happens because you go, oh, I won't do that again. But equally, if you have a community that are mm-hmm. confident that reporting yeah. and disclosing works, that's far better than everyone sitting back and going, why didn't the algorithm stop this? <laughs> yeah, so in my case, should I probably have reported this to the game and said this is not okay that you download it and you're immediately like in a chat situation see nothing wrong with making that suggestion to the platform Mm -hmm. and maybe Mm -hmm. i i I don't know because i don't know the game i don't know the situation but if you could identify the user who was doing that maybe report that account as well Mm -hmm. you know this guy Mm -hmm. was making inappropriate statements to kids Mm-hmm. Um, well, he yeah. wasn't yet, I guess. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was weird, you know. Kind of like kind of, it was really weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know. Sometimes you'll get someone who goes into a, a gaming platform and says outrageous things because they're recording it for their channel and they want to say outrageous things because mm-hmm. they want to get reactions and things. Yeah. Sometimes you do have <laughs> oh, like people with a sexual interest in children who who are there and things as well. Being aware of that is a mm-hmm. really good starting point. And like I said, you know, you're sat there with. Uh, I, I mentioned in an article I wrote about it a while ago. Well, if you, you know, you can have mirroring mode on on VR headsets. If your child is going into social spaces online, surely you'd have that interaction on another screen so you can see what those interactions are and things. You wouldn't just go, yeah, yeah, just 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 do what you like. We're we're, we're going out. We'll come back later. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, which I think is happening. <laughs> You know, the, I think I think an analogy I, I gave a while ago, and some, I, I write about this a lot. And you know, I, if I get into my car and I, 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 take, I take my kids to town, and I crash the car, and I go, well, I've never actually learned to drive. Um, so how can Skoda allow me to crash this car? You know, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But there is a kind of view within the tech world: platform needs to stop everything, and, and we don't have any responsibilities at all. Mm-hmm. Now. I am massively sympathetic, particularly towards parents growing up in this environment, because we didn't have anything like this in, at school time. You know, <laughs> when, I, when I left school 30 years ago, um, you know, we weren't talking about digital spaces or reporting or, or mechanisms for mitigating risk online. I would argue that these days education isn't much better. Um, uh, um, drawing massively on, on the UK experiences, Education around these digital issues is generally 
very prohibitive and basically telling kids don't do that it's illegal and stop doing that it's illegal and if you do this you're going to break the law rather than going this is something that is potentially risky these are the things you might do to mitigate that risk and then you get no training for teachers mm-hmm. um, and then you get governments in four or five year political cycles going oh well you know we could we could look at this but it's quite a long-term thing but if instead we just say, say that the platforms are all evil and they don't care that's easier isn't it so it makes someone yeah. else responsible for yeah. it um and yeah platforms have still got a long way to go but if they're providing tools and no one's using them mm-hmm. you know, I, I i do a lot of work with schools and colleges obviously and i was contacted by a local college a while ago i said well we've got this problem what's that well we've got a young man he's he's 18 he's got quite a large tiktok following but he keeps on posting up jokes about sexual activity with primary age children so you know 10 11 yeah and i said okay well that's quite problematic have you spoken to him does he have a sexual interest in children is he you know because if he's doing that he could end up with a knock on the door from the police so well we've spoken to him he says he doesn't he, he he just does it because he wants to be outrageous because that gets him more followers on TikTok. <laughs> and um, I said, well, okay, but he needs to understand if he is posting up that sort of content, there is quite a big risk that, you know, he might end up with mm-hmm. a visit from the police. And the, the guy I was talking to said, well, what our other problem is that there's a whole bunch of students who are getting really angry about it. We're worried that it might spill over into violence in college. And I said, well, why don't they just report his account? And he was like, oh, okay. I said, you know, if you've got 50 people reporting this account and all saying it's offensive, TikTok are famously conservative. You know, you can't even say dead or mm-hmm. murdered on TikTok. Yeah. It, it takes it down. Um, they'll take the account down. But it was like the, the guy hadn't thought of that. It was kind of like, this is a problem. It's online, therefore, what are we going to do about it? Where, you know, TikTok have provided these tools. And TikTok are yeah. notoriously conservative in, in yeah, what they yeah, allow yeah. on their platform. That's good to hear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no. They, you know, well, again, you, you then get into some problematic areas. So there's a there's a really good autism awareness account on TikTok called Sound of the Forest. But as soon as she puts hashtag autism in her posts, she gets mm-hmm. her account taken down because they think someone's being abusive. Oh, dear. Um, mm-hmm. So, so you, you know, it, it's, it's, it's always... It's very insane. complex. It is. It's, it's very complicated. Um, and, and that, you know, if, if we as humans struggle with this, how can we possibly expect a piece of code to make these decisions for us? No. Um, so mm. so I've, I've always, it's, it's a horribly liberal view. And, it, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> look, looking at political discourse in the UK, it doesn't matter whether we have the Conservative Party, another Labour Party, and politicians want easy solutions. You know, if you are to take you know, children accessing sexually explicit content, if you are to say, we need to stop this from happening, that's a good political message. If you are to say, it's very difficult to stop this from happening, therefore we need to develop more progressive education to support young people who see this sort of thing and might be upset by it, that's less of a vote winner. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. you know, there is a rich history in the UK of politicians trying to stop kids accessing that sort of content, um, generally through technology, and it's generally failed you know we, mm-hmm. we have age verification debates every five years or so um and oh if, if we put age verification on these sites then kids won't be able to access it well 
they'll just bypass the age verification. Yeah. Uh, An um, age-old problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I did say to a politician a while ago, you don't think if this was easy, they wouldn't have done it by now. Because, you know, if you're looking at those sorts of platforms, kids don't have credit cards. Kids don't buy this content. Mm-hmm. They don't want kids on their platforms. But how do you stop, you know? So, so yeah. But so, so we've already gone way wider than just the metaverse. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's it's extremely interesting, and because you were speaking about uh, the the parents and also uh, the the liberal view on it all, uh, if I if I provocatively ask now, uh, maybe what if this is a place where we as adults don't even should we shouldn't even have a part because this this is the kids' youth culture. This is where they go and hang out and they, uh, you know, discover their their topics and, 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 and what's going on in their lives. What, what do you think about this view? Is this something that we should really get such a tight grip on? I mean, now I'm being very liberal. <laughs> there's, 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 <laughs> But, there's two things there. Um, first of all, yes, obviously young people want their own spaces. You know, my, my own mm-hmm. kids told me that lockdown ruined TikTok. So, well, mm-hmm. well how come lockdown ruined TikTok? Because loads of people your age are on it now, and that's rubbish. I'm <laughs> you know, trying it, to get on it, but I can't deal with it. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's too it's, hectic it, for it, me. It's really, I mean, you can just go, oh, I'll pop on TikTok, and then an hour later you go, oh, I've really got to do some work. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. same it, here. You know, it, I it, end up doing tutori- hair tutorials shown by a 15-year-old. <laughs> I end up with buns on my head. <laughs> like, what happened now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it is. It is compulsive viewing. Um And, and, you know, I've, I, I speak to a lot of young people and it's kind of like, well, we'll go to different social media spaces. So lots of young people used to be on Facebook. They moved off Facebook onto Instagram. They moved off Instagram onto Snapchat. One of the reasons why, because adults, for want of a better word, move into those platforms as well. Young people will generally adopt technology quicker than adults will. And as, as one young man said, it's a bit like bumping into your dad at a party. You don't want to do that. You know, yeah. if you're having an online interaction with your friends, your mum coming along and going, oh, don't use that bad language is, you know, I, I actually have a, an old school friend myself and, and he's friends with his mum on Facebook. So these are, you know, we're late 40s, early 50s. And his mum still comments on his posts. And it's got to a, got to a point where it's, <laughs> it's a running joke where someone posted up the other day, hashtag beat your mum, because his mum always, no. and it just kills a thread stone dead. So yeah, there's always generational challenges there, but not being in the space with them doesn't mean you can't work with them so they understand the risks mm-hmm. of being in that space. You know, I, I talk a great deal about risk mitigation. I talk a great deal about harm reduction, which are things that, that really don't exist within the online space. Mm-hmm. it's all about let's stop this from happening yeah now if we take a step back and go well stopping it all from happening and this is why i really struggle with the term online safety because safety implies free from risk of harm you can't guarantee free from risk of harm in the same way that you can't say oh in the well this is the example i was given how to solve playground bullying it's, it's really easy you draw a massive grid on the playground And you tell each child to stand in one of the squares and not talk to anyone. Mm. And that's playtime. Yeah. There you go. You've solved playground bullying. No, but it's a ridiculous scenario. So to say, oh, we've got a safe playground where no child will ever hear anything offensive or abusive or harmful is incredibly naive. So why are we saying that's our default position online? Far better instead to go, right, if you're going to go into these spaces, 
these are the things you need to understand. There might be some bad people there. There might be people who um, are asking you to do things you're uncomfortable with. There might be people who say things that you think is unacceptable. That's absolutely fine. Come and talk to me about it. The problem with all these prohibitive messages in schools is a lot of young people don't think they can disclose concern or worry because they think they're going to get into trouble as a result mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. I can remember years ago being in a primary school talking to some 10, 11 year old children. One of the young men I was talking to said he had his own YouTube channel where he does Minecraft walkthroughs. Millions of people do Minecraft walkthroughs online. Um, and I said to him, do you ever get nasty comments? Because obviously some people could be quite mean online. He said, yeah, oh, yes. And I said, well, is it ever upsetting? So, well, yeah, sometimes, sometimes people can be really mean. And they say my content's rubbish or they say I'm an idiot. Mm -hmm. I said, um, so would you tell a teacher about that if you're upset by it? And bearing in mind, I was in a room with some teachers at the time and these young yeah. people. He said, no. I said, well, why not? Because I'll be told off for being on YouTube. Yeah. And and I paused, and looked around the room, hoping one of the teachers might go, oh, no, all the teachers remain silent. <laughs> like, well, mm -hmm. you just confirm this young person, you know, if he's upset by something that happens online, it's his fault. Yeah. Whereas the message should be, you know, things will happen. Speak to us about it. We can help. We can yeah. help support you in making sure those sorts of things or or ensuring it's less likely those sorts of things will happen in the future. You know, like you were saying, you're, you're always careful that your son only plays with his friends on, on online gaming. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Perfectly reasonable thing to do. You know, sometimes you get parents going, oh, I feel like I'm such a such a dictator. I'm so nasty for, for controlling. And it's like, well, no, you wouldn't sort of go to an 11-year-old. Do you want to go out? All right, come back whenever. Don't worry about yeah, where you go. Yeah, I don't yeah. care where you're going. So it's it's perfectly reasonable stuff to do. And I think sometimes parents will say, I don't understand this platform game technology or whatever therefore i can't help well you can hmm. because you can reassure them that they can talk to you about it or they can even if it's just the case of oh what you've been up to what's that about you don't have to be there with them the whole time because yeah that yeah. is yeah. particularly as they get a bit older that mm. I, can, mm. I can remember speaking to a journalist once and they went oh i've got this friend they're really upset with their daughter because they've changed their instagram password so she can't access her instagram account anymore it's like your friend accesses your daughter, her daughter's Instagram account. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because she doesn't really talk too much about it. So she just likes to go in occasionally and see what she's up to in her life. I said, well, how old's the daughter? She went 23. Ooh. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's really inappropriate. <laughs> that is really inappropriate. So yeah. So, yeah. So, so, yeah, you know, there are a number of tools that platforms will generally provide around reporting routes, mm -hmm. muting tools. Um, ways of blocking people those sorts of things mm -hmm. so you know talk to talk to your kids about you know all right what are they within this platform because mm -hmm. you know one of the things as a result of all this government pressure is that platforms are increasingly more responsible that gaming platform setting up as a default on and in a public online space that's really bad but um a lot of platforms are, are getting better at those sorts of things um but you know work with work with your kids work with young people on how you might best support them without saying right i have to sit here with you the whole time and i have to because i've seen media articles and there's bad people online and and of course as mm -hmm. a parent you're going to be concerned because 
how many media articles have you seen where it goes, child uses technology to do something enjoyable successfully? You know, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> doesn't doesn't sell newspapers, doesn't get people click-throughs, does it? So, mm-hmm. you know, there was a there's a story in the press over here a year ago saying there's been a 70% increase in online grooming prosecutions in the last three years. And it was from a, a children's charity mm-hmm. in the UK. And you go... On the face of it, that headline is really concerning. That must mean that there's more people grooming. Mm-hmm. But then you unpick it, go, well, up until 2017, we didn't have a specific crime, uh, sexual communication with children. Mm-hmm. So a far more responsible headline would be new laws work. But that, yeah, again, is, yeah. is not going to sell um, newspapers. So instead, it's like this stuff is all really, really dangerous. Now, I'd run a survey with schools for a long time it has around fourteen thousand young people who've responded to it now um, we occasionally publish stuff from it um, one of the questions is have you ever been upset by anything that's happened online 30 percent of young people said yes that mm-hmm. means 70 percent of young people who've done this survey have never experienced a negative thing online. i was expecting a higher number too yeah 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 as they get older that that percentage yeah, goes yeah. Up. But these are these are yeah. from like about eight years old to to 16 years old um and then when you start to say, well, all right, what was the upsetting thing? You get really broad range of things. So while we're focused on very specific things like sexual communication with children, uh, explicit content, those sorts of things, they'll talk about um, current affairs. So oh. um, at the moment, lots of young people are saying the Ukraine war is something yes. that they see that's upsetting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Previously, there was the, the Manchester arena bombing in the UK. That was something mm-hmm. that a lot of young people talked about. Before that, there was a very, uh, very horrific murder of a, uh, a, an army soldier in London. And, you know, you can track back the current affairs yeah, yeah. a lot of the time. And, and they'll say things like, oh, I saw a video of someone being mean to an animal and things. So if we're mm-hmm. taking a prohibitive message of we're, we're going to stop children seeing anything upsetting online. Just take, That's just very connect. difficult. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. Uh, we're, we're an not interesting saying, point. We're mm-hmm. not saying to media companies stop reporting on current affairs that might be upsetting mm-hmm. to young people, or we're not saying you can only broadcast that beyond nine o'clock at night. You know, when the soldier was murdered in London, there was literally on the six o'clock news because someone filmed the guy who'd done the murder. They were broadcasting this recording. You know, mm-hmm. the guy's still holding a, a bloody knife. And you're thinking that's quite concerning that, that that's being broadcast. And then, yeah, young people are talking about it. So, mm. so yeah, I, I spend a lot of time at the moment looking at where we were with drugs policy and education in the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. compared to where we are mm-hmm. with online issues now. Now, in the 80s and 90s, you had all this prohibitive stuff saying, right, People shouldn't take drugs. Didn't really work very well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, these days, you, you well, in a lot of countries, you're looking at decriminalisation, certainly within the UK, because we have a, a very tabloid perspective on a lot of um, criminal justice stuff. There's still a lot of political opposition to, to decriminalisation, but if you look at places like Portugal, you know, crime rates have not gone through the roof since they decriminalised drug use. But these days, the educational messages are less around, don't do it, it's bad, than if you are going to do it, these are the things mm-hmm. you need to understand about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just not not there in, in, in digital issues. It's kind of like... That's true, yeah. You know, don't do this, it's bad. Don't do that, it's illegal. <clears throat> um, 
and, and you end up with nonsense is like don't say anything offensive online it's like well mm-hmm. who defines mm-hmm. what is offensive online yes we we have equalities legislation hate speech legislation which says if you attack protected characteristics like disability or race or or gender or sexuality that is a hate crime it's very well defined but saying don't be offensive online it's like that's such a intangible yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah and then you go back to the original statements which your platforms need to stop this well, mm-hmm. well who, who decides you know w- with the discussions around the legislation at the moment in the uk which is all about platform liability it's going to make negligence lawyers an absolute fortune because it's also intangible so you're just going to get people suing each other um <clears throat> it, it says things like platforms need to prevent access to illegal content which is fine. Even the most staunch internet libertarians are not going, people will have a right to access child abuse imagery. That's, you know, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Define, clearly defined illegal content is pretty well established. But then you've got these weird statements like legal but harmful content. Well, well mm-hmm. who decides what's harmful? Yeah. Because if it's the current government, well, that can be quite problematic depending on where the current government's politics is at. Because these laws are created and then they exist on the statute book for a long time and and don't anticipate all these interesting mm-hmm, changes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's there's some good stuff in it. Like platforms have to demonstrate they provide tools to to help keep users safe. They have to demonstrate how many times those tools have been used and how they've responded to them and how many accounts they've taken. So there's some good stuff in it. But but one mm-hmm. thing that I mean, it's I think it's about 180 pages this piece of legislation virtually no mention of the word education in the entire thing. It's all about platforms stopping this stuff from happening. Mm. But what I'm wondering with the metaverse, going back to the yeah, yeah. to the initial <laughs> if we if we if we're particularly looking at the promise of these virtual worlds in the metaverse now, the web three is saying it's all going to be decentralized mm. and basically saying anyone can do what they want in these worlds with their avatars. They can they the the the, the owner of the IP can do whatever they want. So I'm really wondering if this now is 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 with the advent of the metaverse something that needs to be addressed uh i'm i'm hearing from you that it is because i'm sure these these even if these web3 worlds are let's talk about other side the ape worlds and and, and everything that's popping up right now yeah. is 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 run by a company that at the end of the day is going to be sub- subject to the law in that country where it's residing is that yeah that 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 a way of looking at it so yeah, it's, re- it's really interesting, first of all. I mean, in the Web3 stuff, is, is uh, particularly around NFTs and, and a lot of the crypto stuff, is already starting to creep because it's it's very clear that it's quite vulnerable to attack. And, you know, the, mm-hmm. you, you see these things on Twitter about how someone's lost their monkeys because someone's changed the password on their electronic wallet and they can't access them and things. Yeah. But that that is, again, an interesting awareness and an education piece because if if all you do is go oh this is really cool you can make loads of money at that and there is probably too much money in the tech sector these days Mm -hmm. there's too many people Mm -hmm. trying to make money quickly and that becomes quite problematic if you're aware that there's probably a reason this hasn't been done before that's probably that it's not going to be very good um you know and and you take a, a a step back and you look at the metaverse as well i mean there's a, a great deal of concern around harms to young people but i really don't see it taking off in the way that um mm-hmm. a lot of people are claiming I, I, I see high-end hardcore gamers adopting this type of technology 
but it seems to be something that excites the tech bros more than it excites kids <laughs> it's kind mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like well, well why would i put on a headset because i'm just on my phone snapchatting yeah. mates or something instead and you, you, it i mean i i can remember 20 years ago being told that virtual reality is the future and going yeah it looks a bit naff <laughs> and then it went away again and then 10 years ago they went oh virtual reality is the future again really because you know immediately you put on the headset you're isolated from the rest of the world that seemed like a step too far for most people who aren't massive tech enthusiasts and then now you've got oh meta is going to be completely changed the way that that we all communicate um and i remember speaking to um a fairly senior it type on a conference call a while ago he said oh we we had a meta conference the other day it was a meta sales event there was about 10,000 people in this virtual environment. Mm-hmm. And I went, was it rubbish? And he went, oh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's rubbish. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> but, 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 you know, if you look at games like Fortnite, the kids, yep. even if they don't wear a headset, they yep. are in this virtual world. And yep. it looks like they're going to be able to do a lot more in them. Now, they go to concerts. They're, they're not only playing the game. They can do other stuff as well. And if that advances or other worlds come about where you can do more things, which there already are kind of like this Tibeto in, in, in Korea where they can talk to each other yeah, and yep. do things. Yep. So, so it's already somehow there, even though they're not wearing the 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 VR glasses but if 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 we look at it now where do you think the future of digital is going for our kids if we have uh, 8 9 10 year olds now uh gaming uh, what what's going to happen in the next 5 to 10 years where is it all going it's kind of interesting because you know as you say you know where where could it go you know Mm-hmm. The, the biggest change in gaming, aside from better and better graphics, has been massive online worlds and similar. But mm-hmm. but but it's kind of you kind of get to the point where you kind of have this with gaming now, which is probably why all the financial models have changed because you've got to a point now where you've got almost photorealistic graphics, and you kind of go, well, what's the point in buying the new console? Oh well, your the frame rates are better. It's like, well, I just want to play a game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so. I guess, I guess, because I'm a bit of an old sod, and <laughs> uh, I've seen these things sort of come and go. I, there will be progress, and and yeah, there there will be different ways for for people to interact, and and whether that's via headsets or whether that's via your gaming controller or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's still essentially just about communication, yeah. and it's essentially about meeting people in spaces, mm-hmm. um, where where else can you go with these sorts of things um you know phone handset take up is is kind of dropping a bit as well because it's kind of like oh there's a new phone out great what's wrong with the one i've currently got um Mm -hmm. well this one's got a better camera right oh great you know so it's almost like the tech world is reaching a saturation point where you know i was actually talking to my brother about this yesterday you used to buy a game and you played the game and that would be your only financial transaction. These days you buy a game, then oh, I don't know whether your son has asked you, oh, can you give me some more money for this game? But I've already mm-hmm. bought it, but there's the new DLC that's come out. Mm-hmm. I need to, to get that as well. And, oh, I need to buy some uh, a weapon in this game. So the business models change because the actual interaction in the game can't change anymore. So mm-hmm. so how, mm-hmm. do you, how do you build financial models that work yeah. 
to, yeah, to keep yeah. you know because because Fortnite... keep you in there and to keep you yeah engaged and to keep uh, you spending you, mm-hmm. you see mm-hmm. in the graveyard of, it, of tech all these things which were the massive big thing and they all the companies all stop being cool and not so much die off but but become mainstream you know microsoft mm-hmm. used to be the hip core trendy company it's a crazy thing to say now you know microsoft used to be really cool it's like now nah, microsoft are mm-hmm. boring mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. provide office computers um and ibm was the dinosaur then ibm with the the cool mm-hmm. thing then then facebook was great but but you know you've, you've had things like bebo bebo was uh, a massive platform for young people to express themselves and, and interact with each other it's pretty much dead now mm-hmm. um so but but they're all providing different ways of doing the same thing which is communication yeah. and interaction um mm-hmm. and i think we we sometimes sort of go oh it's new what, what are the what are the new risks it's like well the risks are from people the same as most of the risks are always from people you know mm-hmm. these are social spaces and and in the same way that you wouldn't be saying oh you know at the end of your football game don't get in a car with a stranger and mm-hmm. because the mm-hmm. strangers told you they're going to take you home wait for me to come and get you um yeah. Yeah. you know yeah. it, there's a a very famous cybersecurity researcher called marcus Raynham, and and geeks often quote um, what they refer to as Raynham's law, which is you don't solve social problems through software. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. there is an assumption that because it happens in an online world, the platform has a way of solving it, mm-hmm. where a lot of it is just don't talk to strangers. <laughs> be if someone says something upsetting or, or offensive, that's all right to be offended by. It. You know, this is this is yeah. I can, I can remember a, a few years ago doing an assembly in a school and i talked a little bit around online consent and things to a group of sort of 13 14 year olds and i said you know as you get older someone might ask you to do something that you're uncomfortable with you might get a text message and someone says send me a nude mm-hmm. it's all right to say no um and you know they were sort of laughing about it and going oh yeah that so someone did that to me and and, and they get the Someone sends them a nude when they haven't asked for it and stuff. So there was some chat and some some laughter. The parent complained and said, well, there's children that do this sort of thing are disgusting and they should be spoken to separately. No way would my daughter do anything like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I responded somewhat sarcastically with, yeah, but that wouldn't stop someone else sending her a nude, would it? No, and and your daughter needs to know that if that happens, she can tell you about it and she's not going to get told off for it because it strikes me from your attitude at the moment that you're thinking, if I don't talk to them about it, it will never happen to them. Mm -hmm. And that's an extremely naive thing to say. So, so, you know, having these conversations about consent, not waiting until they're 16 and then going, Mm -hmm. right, if if someone sends you an image like this, it's terrible. You know, you can talk to a four-year-old about, someone asking you to do something and it's all right mm-hmm, to say no mm-hmm, mm-hmm. obviously it doesn't have to be a conversation around sexual content or anything but but it almost seems to be that because it happens on digital platforms our first response is right let's stop it um mm-hmm. or or you you have these conversations yeah. you know I've, I've, I've sat with teenage boys sometimes and going you know in my generation because there wasn't a means to do it we didn't take pictures of our genitals and send them to people as a way of asking people. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and they go, well, when you say it like that, it's really weird, isn't it? So it is really weird. <laughs> yeah. But if they've never had 
decent sex and relationship education. Now, I know a lot of Europe is far more progressive about relationships education than the UK is. They you actually know, just had it yesterday at my son's school. Yeah. What did he think of it? What, what was he said it was amazing. And we actually oh, had a, 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 a teacher session as well where they explained to us what they're going to say to the children. And it was extremely excellent. And there, yeah. uh, uh, I, I was very impressed. I didn't know Austria was that, you know, yeah, future yeah. forward no, no. with these things. And, uh, yeah, they actually said either you send our chi- your child to this. It's, it's happening during school hours. But if you decide it's too much and you want to leave them at home, it, it, it's up to you. But know that now they're 10, 11, they're probably going to see it on a phone somewhere and yeah. uh, whatever you prefer. You know, Do you want to have an educated uh, approach by someone who thought about how they're going to be, uh, you know, like like – uh, how they how they're going to be exposed to this, or do you yeah. want them to be shocked, basically? Yeah. And every parent agreed to send their kid, oh, of course. So. No, it's yeah. it's generally Northern European country. I usually hold up the Netherlands as probably the most progressive, but Northern yeah. European countries, yeah, I think so too, mm. seem, seem to have a, a far more progressive view. Certainly, than you know, the, the view in the UK is right. We just need to put technology in place to stop it happening. Um, we've only had compulsory relationships education for two years now which Mm -hmm. is just crazy um Mm -hmm. and then if you look at the digital aspects of the compulsory education it's things like oh they need to be told that sending a nude is illegal well what does that achieve Mm -hmm. um you know because it's a bit like saying don't take drugs it's illegal well yeah Yeah, but what i what i take away from this conversation which is a lot (laughs) thank you so much for for sharing your take on this is um that it's basically it's 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 a human problem so to say so we're not going to have our children lost in the metaverse and the metaverse is is the bad place and and i see it's it's real life problems that we have uh all the time in our daily lives and uh what you're proposing is that we're all just talking about it more, mm-hmm. uh, communicating with your child and also having education at school. Or, well, are, are these your top tips for parents right now? What, what would you say? I think the fact that your son's school communicated with you, first of all, and then got the parents in to talk about what they were going to talk about and mm-hmm. then delivered the education to your son is fantastic because mm-hmm. your son's not going to come home then and go, oh, my teacher talked to me about this today and presents it in a... A, a less informed way than maybe the teacher says and you immediately mm-hmm. go that's outrageous I'm going to go and complain to the school because mm-hmm. if you're working with the school you're more likely to provide better support for for your mm-hmm. kids than mm-hmm. than if you're going right the school needs to stop this or right Mark Zuckerberg needs to stop this or yeah, something, rather yeah, than going yeah. well we've all got a role to play and and you know I can be incredibly critical of the platforms if they don't provide tools or they don't do takedowns or they ignore reports and, and those sorts of things but if they provide all those tools and then we're all sat there with our arms folded going, someone needs to sort this out. You know, the, the political message in the UK is very much pointing at tech companies and going, do more, do more, stop it, mm-hmm. do more. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we have an interesting Secretary of State around digital at the moment. Um, uh, I won't say any more than that on a, on a recording. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, she's got this phrase about how these big tech billionaires um, don't care about your children. Um, and it's deliberately provocative and these people are making loads of money now there are lots of reasons to be very uncomfortable with big tech but it's mainly around um unlawful data collection and unlawful data processing mm-hmm. you know they 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 don't respect our privacy and similar but i spend a lot of time talking to children and at no time when i've uh, whenever i've said to young people 
right, what can adults do better to help you navigate online worlds? So never has a child said, uh, you need to make sure that the big tech billionaires are more responsible. They will always say, we want better education. We want to be able to talk to our parents without them freaking out. We want to have a teacher in school where if something happens, we can go to them and that teacher won't freak out and tell us off. The teacher will go, right, okay, this has happened. It's not your fault. We can do something to help you about it. Wonderful. I remember mm-hmm. a while ago, I went into a college to do a talk, the safeguarding leader at the college went, can you come and speak to this young man? He was 18. So and I said, oh, what's up? He was looking very embarrassed. So oh, over the weekend, I got a new friend request on, on Facebook and they said they were a porn star. It's like, okay, right. <laughs> Immediately, I'm, the, the, cocks, the, the cogs are wearing my head. I said, and, and you did some webcamming and, and, and then you were contacted and they said they've got the video. And he said, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. I said, well, okay, what have you done? He said, well, I've told my parents and I've told the police. I haven't responded to them. They've asked for money. I haven't responded to them because they threatened to to release the videos on, on his social media channels. Um, I said, and, and you've obviously blocked the, the account. Yeah, I blocked the account. Um, I said, well, I think you've probably done the right thing. What did the police say? He said, well, the police basically said, do not respond, do not do not speak to them, block them. And mm-hmm. and, and um, the, the young man just went, I, I feel so embarrassed. I'm so ashamed. I went, look thousands of people have this done to them this weekend you know not just people your age mm-hmm. 50 year old 60 year old mm-hmm. yeah, it's done yeah. to them as well and immediately you sort of like saw his the the pressure lift a little bit so like, oh, okay yeah, yeah. yeah i've done something but there is a way to to get past it and yeah. it is something that isn't the end of the world and yeah. it does happen to other people as well if instead he'd gone to the college and gone this has happened and the college had gone oh you've been stupid haven't you that's your mm. Yeah. You know, and, and that happens a lot of the time. So so young people are always asking for better education. Yeah. The the thing, and like I said, I've been doing this about 20 years now. <laughs> uh, and it goes in cycles. It goes in about five year cycles. It's really interesting that yeah. you get a whole new bunch a bunch of new politicians coming in saying exactly the same things about every five years. <laughs> but the, the thing that young people have said across this whole 20 years, what can adults do best? They always say, listen, don't judge, understand. Those are the three things I've been hearing for 20 years. Listen, the, don't judge and understand. Mm-hmm. The don't judge is the most important. Yeah. Because it's not something you'd have done. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean that the young person has been stupid. Or it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they don't deserve your help and support. You know, mm-hmm. It is a bit, oh, well, I, I'd have never done that. Well, you wouldn't have done because there weren't camera phones 30 years ago. So you couldn't have done that. Um, so, so, you know. The, the not judging and, and you know as a parent myself my kids have grown up through their teenage years mm-hmm. there have been times where my first response if my daughter's received a, a, a dodgy message would be to go and see the young man that, that's um yeah, bent it yeah. and, and maybe give him a thorough talking to <laughs> <laughs> but, but obviously that doesn't help anybody so and you know yeah. both, both of my kids have been very much very open about talking about what goes on online i think the other thing that's really important as well is you don't march into them and go do you do this Mm -hmm. you know because immediately they'll go no but if you can talk about you know stuff that's happened in the media and go there's this there's this story in the media there's this this person's done this Mm -hmm. sort of thing that that 
your friends come across yeah, as well. Yeah. So you can have a conversation without it being confrontational and just about yeah. them doing it. And I don't agree. You know, going back to that parent who was saying that her daughter wouldn't do this, therefore she doesn't need to know about it, yeah. is, is really problematic because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that implies it's their fault if something harmful mm. or upsetting happens. Yeah. And what um, I also take away is that you need to take the time to stay in the loop and and stay interested and stay open to these new technologies and new games they're playing and and I was I mean if I if I I have it easy because I say you're my little trend scout and I say <laughs> oh, what what are you seeing on TikTok is there something new and then he tells me you know but it's it it it's I think everyone could really also benefit from it and be like yeah, what's going on in the world yeah. because they they do look at things with new eyes and and okay. of course as as someone who's past 40 45 you go like oh this is rubbish you know like i've seen this before and then, but but still you know sometimes there's things where you where it also opens up your world and yeah. and you can get that that's a nice thing about having children of course that you yeah, yeah. Uh, stay, stay uh on trend and stay on what's happening right now so yeah. no absolutely yeah. you know you, you learn so much from sitting down and listening to young people i always say it's the mm-hmm. best part of my job you know, I do all sorts of things in my job, but sitting in a room with young people and going, hey, how does tech affect your lives? And yeah. just listening to them talk and talking about the, the issues, but also the positive things and things as well. Um, yeah. It's it's fantastic. Um, but but yeah, I, I guess my other piece of advice is don't panic. If they talk about using something you don't recognize, then you can always Google it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's always stuff out there. But um, But yeah, you can also ask them about it and ask them what they think about it and yeah. and are they are they taking precautions are they making sure they're you know if if they are interacting with people who aren't just their friends as they get older do you know how to block people do you know how to mute people mm-hmm. you know you know all those sorts of things as well um, i actually had this conversation with him the other day i said i want to know who you're talking to online and just as much as i want to know in real life and he goes like why to my friends i said no it's my responsibility i want to know this and 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 i think yeah i think online because we're as adults we're talking to so many people now and we're not not you know it's 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 we're encountered like you were saying we're not educated about this and and we make mistakes and things happen to us and and we can't be so judgmental about this i I think sometimes we we're not the best role models either, you know, mm. Tell, telling your, your child to get off again because they've been on it for two hours while you're sat there looking at your phone, yeah. ignoring mm. the thing they're asking you about. Yes. Um, you know, I, I also think as well that, that you know, that the, there is an awful lot of tech companies that will sell parents reassurance by our platform. You can always see what they're doing online then. Mm. And I think that's that's somewhat concerning as well because you, you're not going to see everything they see online and you're paying this company money who are feeding on your fears and things, you know, the, the offline, because I, I was speaking to a parent a while ago, oh, I always know where my child is, I track them. Okay, well, do you know where they are or do you know where their device is? Oh, I need to know where they are to make sure they're safe. Okay, well, <laughs> t- t- tell you what you could do then, because you don't know who they're talking to at school. So put a GoPro on them at the start of the oh, day, God. send them into school and you, you can live stream their day. It's fantastic. Yeah. You'll always yeah. know that normally at that point they go, that's ridiculous. Yeah. You kind of go, well, surveillance is rarely the solution to these yeah. things. You know, there, there are some really good uses of trackable technology. I spoke to a family a while ago where their son is 
um, severely epileptic. So he was virtually housebound because if he went out and he had a fit, they couldn't find him. That was really dangerous. So they had a conversation. So, well, if you if we can track your phone, you can go out because if you have a fit, we'll know where you are. Mm-hmm. And he had a greater quality of life as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then you speak to a parent who proudly tells you that their child doesn't know that they're being tracked. You think, well, oh, is that for concern about safety or is that control? Mm-hmm. Because that sounds more like control to me. But, you know, you have to be sympathetic and think, well, if you've got a company going, your child might be at risk online, but if you buy our product, you'll know they're not. You can kind of be somewhat sympathetic if you're going to... Mm. Yeah, it's not going to solve anything because if the child knows they're being surveilled, they'll probably use. You know, I can remember saying to 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 one parent once, "Oh, I always know who's communicating with my daughter because I I see all the messages on their phone." Okay, you know they've got another phone you don't know about. <laughs> 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 the, the face drops and it's yeah. because you know they're always always around it, and surely a better environment is your daughter if she has anything upsetting, she tells you about it and you don't freak out is better than I'm going to sit here all night and look at the conversations you're having with your friend mm. just in case some, someone's doing something unacceptable. Because yeah. you can't see, you know, as I said, spend some time in a senior playground in a school and you hear how teenagers talk to each other. Generally speaking, most of the parents of those kids probably wouldn't be very impressed with what they were saying. But that's just teenagers talking and it's it's not really our business to to monitor those conversations as long mm. as they're safe and as long as they know how to mm. deal with abuse mm. and how to, how to again i keep on coming out, how, how do you mitigate risk in this situation and how do you support a young person to mitigate that risk so you said well, listen don't judge and understand and understand yeah yeah That's... i think i think sometimes a lot of parents forget what it's like to be 14 Mm-hmm. Um, you know think think back to what it was like it's it's horrible being a teenager and these days it's more horrible because it's far more public than it used to be but they're still doing the same things they're trying to get a relationship they're trying to be popular that you know all those same things are the, the mm-hmm. same as, mm-hmm. as they always were you're making me uh, look forward to what's ahead for me with my 11 year old <laughs> so thank you so much sounds like you know it sounds like you're doing a great job thank with you. i'm trying i'm trying uh, and you're not immediately telling him that you know best you know <laughs> Sometimes, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes they have to. <laughs> but, but yeah, you, you know, you know, in five years' time, there'll be another technology that's come along, and, yeah. and people will be going, "What's the harm for this?" Yeah, and probably begin the same thing. It's like, well, yeah. it's a platform where people are interacting, so probably the biggest risk is those people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very rarely a problem specifically with a technology that creates a higher level of risk. It's what people do with that technology that that creates the risk. Mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing all these thoughts. It was no, a pleasure and a super interesting conversation for me, and I hope for all the listeners as well. And um, yeah, thank you so much for being here. And uh, no problem. Thanks for the invite. Great to talk to thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So this is the end of episode 10, and it also marks the end of season one of Tomorrow Stories. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening to our stories about tomorrow. And uh, we'll be taking a short break or a longer break. We don't know yet. <laughs> But in the meantime, you can stay in touch with us uh, through uh, our Instagram account, Tomorrow Stories, or through our LinkedIn account, Annalise Prem. And also, uh, you can sign up for a newsletter on the website, www.tomorrowstories.com. 
So thanks again and see you soon somewhere in the future. Bye.